Well, hey, listen, we live in a culture in this day and hour that I believe is addicted to wandering. And what I mean by that is that people that you run into and I've run into and maybe you experience it yourself are, are just wandering. They, they have like this just wandering life that they live. They wander from job to job. They wander from relationship to relationship. They wander from city to city. They wa- wander from one college major to another college major to another college major. And they just, they live their lives mostly like the Israelites who wandered in the wilderness for 40 years never walking into their promise, never experiencing the full potential that God had for them, never enjoying the blessings and the abundance that God had already set in front of them, never doing it because they spent their whole life wondering. I don't know if you've ever wondered about wondering, but I believe that is a, a detriment in our society today. And we too have been touched by wondering. We've Probably you, myself, we can all say there's been stops along our journey where we've wondered, wondered about mm, my purpose, wondered about this new status that I've been given uh, on a job, and will this job sustain me for the rest of my life, or will my job be in jeopardy, or wondering about the price of gas, will it ever come down again, or wondering um, if this person I married will love me to the degree that I feel I need to be loved, or will this person that I said I do to value me to the degree I feel I need to be valued, and we just wonder, and we just wonder, and we just wonder, and we live our lives just wondering through the whole maze of events that come to play. We wonder. We're like gypsy, spiritual gypsies sometimes with a gypsy mentality, looking for the next best thing, next best car, next best house, next best vacation, next best job, next best friend, next best purse or shoes or clothes or golf clubs or whatever it is at that moment. We just wonder, wonder, and wonder for the next best thing, living our life from day to day, wondering is this, is this going to meet everything that I desire? Why am I not fulfilled? And many times this wandering lifestyle, simply, can I just say it like this, is a result of you not understanding your worth or your value. I, I truly believe that the wandering days begin to come to an end when you understand your worth and your value. Years ago, uh, we lived on a farm growing up, and, and uh, this little uh, curly, uh, reddish-yellow-haired dog wandered up to our doorstep. It just happened to be around evening time after we'd finished our meal, and my mom had some leftovers, and... And so she didn't know this, but I, I took some of the leftovers and, and, um, and, and, and we, we, I, I gave this little dog some bones and some leftovers from the table. And um, the next day, that little dog was still there. And my mom was like chasing him away. And while she's chasing away, I'm giving him bones and them behind her back and more food, and she's like, how come that dog keeps coming around? I said, I don't know. 
That little thing just keeps coming. I know, crazy, isn't it? Well, you got to shoo him away. Okay, mom. She walks in the house, give him some more food. How many know that that dog became my pet? We called her Nosy. I don't know why. My dad always named the animals for some reason. And, and we called her Nosy. Nosy stuck around and always um, became, our house became his house. How come? Because we showed the animal value. We showed the animal some worth, that, that it was important to us. And, and I believe the same way, not liking you to a dog, but I'm telling you, it, when you really begin to understand your value and your worth, uh, your wandering days begin to come to an end. Wandering. We've all wandered and had that wandering spirit. And not only that, but we've all been hurt by people with a wandering spirit. People that are wondering and you're in relationship with and they end up hurting you. I, I remember uh, I was in high senior in high school and I had come across this word called dating and it, it, I didn't know it existed. And, I, and so I had a car and I thought I'd try to figure this thing out. And, and so I, I called up this girl that I, I, I thought was, you know, at that time very attractive. And so I took this girl out on a date on a Saturday night and I wanted to be respectful. I wanted to honor her and everything and her parents. And so I made sure she was home at 10 o'clock. And, and man, I just had a wonderful time. And uh, and in, in my opinion, I thought she had a wonderful time, and we just kind of hit it off. And I remember the next day, Sunday, come around and w went to church, came home from church, and I, I just couldn't get this girl off my mind. I, I know you've never had any of this uh, probably happen to you before, but it happened to me, and, and I just couldn't get off. I, I remember eating lunch and going outside, and it was a spring day, and I laid there on the grass looking up to the clouds, throwing my football up and down, uh, and just thinking about this girl and this wonderful experience and how my life had been changed and how we're just going to enter into this dating relationship that's just going to be marvelous for the you know, who knows where it's going to take me. And I, I, just, I just, just went crazy. My imagination went wild. And I, and I came to school the next morning, and I got there early and hoping that maybe I could catch her in the hall and have a little conversation and try to, you know, move this thing forward. And, and I didn't see her, and so school started, and I went to my first class and then to my second period class and went, walked into English Lit. Walked in there, sat there. I'm still daydreaming about this girl. All I can think about is that moment I'm going to run into her in the hall and what I'm going to say. And I'm in the English Lit class and, and uh, it's about to start. And, and Dennis and Phil were behind me, my roommates, I'm um, classmates, and they were talking. And, and I overheard them talking and I heard Dennis, I heard the word Carla. That was the girl. And I'm like, hmm. And he, he said, man, this girl, Carla, she's like stalking me, man. He's talking to Phil. And I'm like, and I'm like trying to listen and like not, you know, let him know I'm listening. I'm like, and, and he goes, yeah, man, like Saturday night, she calls me at 1030, asking me to come over to her house and pick her up and take her out. And then she called me several times yesterday. I can't get this girl off me, man. She's like after me. I, this is crazy. And my heart was just like ripped out of my chest. You know what I'm talking about? And, and I went from, it's amazing how fast I went from infatuation to extreme dislike, almost on the verge of hate. <laughs> in less than a minute. Come on. Now I wanted to find her in the hallway for a whole other reason. <laughs> While I was 
having a wonderful time on a date, thinking she was the same time. She had a wandering spirit. Needed to be cast out of her. I didn't even know it. If I'd have known all that I know now, I'd have laid my hands on her like this and said, in the name of Jesus, that wandering spirit, come out in the name of the Lord. I'm just playing, but we've been hurt. We have all been hurt by people with a wandering spirit, just wandering. You go to a party, and many of you know what I'm talking about. You've gone to parties before you got saved, and they wild parties. You, everybody stand there with a drink in their hand. It's amazing how the, you can't go to a, a party without a drink. You've got to be having a drink in your hand. You stand there with a drink in your hand. You're talking to somebody, and you think they're engaging with you, but actually they're looking over your shoulder, or you're looking over their shoulder for the next person to talk to because you're just buying time right now because you have a wandering spirit. This isn't fulfilling you. Maybe that person will fulfill me. Maybe that person will fulfill Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? It's just wonder. We just wonder. We just wonder. One person to another person, one job to another job, one thing to another thing, one belief system to another belief system. We just wonder through life. And so I'm going to give you this morning three reasons why I believe we wonder. And then after the third reason, I'm going to give you the third three things why about that third thing. So here we go. Number one, why we wonder. We wonder because we're discouraged. We wonder because we're discouraged sometimes. Elijah had an incredible encounter with God on a mountaintop in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. He was there on Mount Carmel. He called all the false prophets to come and meet him, and they were going to have a showdown there on top of that mountain. And, and, and he had his, a, a belief that God was really going to bring an awakening to the nation. And they had this encounter. So it was Elijah, the great prophet of God, against all the false prophets uh, of the land. And there were hundreds and hundreds of these false prophets, and they both made sacrifices. And, these, and the, the deal was, whichever sacrifice is burnt up by their God will be the God we serve. And, and so Elijah's waiting uh, for his turn, and they're all cutting themselves and dancing and doing all the things they can to get their God of Baal to come or Asheroth to come as well, and just to burn up this sacrifice. Nothing's happening. And finally, it's Elijah's turn. He prays, cries out to God, and God comes and answers his prayer and consumes the sacrifice. And in that moment, I believe he thought, well, my prayers have been answered. Look what God has done. An awakening is coming, and they cleanse the nation of the false prophets, and, and, and he thought, this is it. It's going to happen. And as he's just celebrating this incredible event that just took place, no doubt I would, he gets the news. Oh, Ahab's wife, the queen, has just heard what you just did, and she wanted me to send word to you that you will not survive this day. You'll be dead this time tomorrow. She's going to make sure you don't make it out of this one alive. And this man of faith went from this incredible moment down the mountain and takes a day's journey into the wilderness and writes God a suicide note. Well, it doesn't really say he wrote him a suicide note, but it does say this, which is the same. It says this, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, prayed that he might die. He's praying, God, kill me. That's a suicide note to God. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush, fell asleep, and at once an angel touched him and said, some, some things that went on, goes, the story goes on. What's my point? My point is that this man felt like he'd had enough. But the reality is, it wasn't that he had had enough. He just didn't feel he was enough. Have you ever been there? 
You, you think I've, that's a, and you've even said, I've had enough. These kids are driving me crazy. That's enough. My spouse is driving me nuts. I can't believe he or she's done this to me again. I, I've had enough with this car. I've had enough of blah, blah. Everything's I've had enough. When actually you haven't had enough with the kids, you just feel like you are not enough yourself for the kids. There's a big difference. We wonder because we don't feel God that we can't live up to his standards. We, we, we make mistakes. We stumble. We're inconsistent. Discouragement begins to set in, and, and we just feel I, I, I'm not enough. Now, here's some good news for you this morning. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 24, for though the righteous fall seven times, they will rise again. But the wicked, when they stumble, calamity strikes. Let me say it again. Though the righteous stumble seven times, they will rise again. The number seven, always in the Bible, carries with it the meaning of perfection or maturity or completeness. Uh, say it again like this. Uh, Though you're a perfect stumbler, you'll rise again. I'm talking to some stumblers in the house this morning. That's who I want to talk to for just a moment. I want to talk to some people that have stumbled a little bit in the house. You're not the cutie little Christian everybody thinks you are. There have been stumbles in your life. There might have been a stumble yesterday. There might have been a stumble last week. You're just walking along and you're doing your best to serve the Lord, loving the Lord, and then just you stumbled. And you thought you almost were going to hurt yourself. You stumbled in your faith. You stumbled in your unbelief. You stumbled in your conviction. You stumbled in your values. You stumbled in your integrity. But even though you may be a perfect stumbler, I'm here to tell you, God will cause you to rise one more time. Come on, somebody. Come on. Give somebody a high five and say, you may stumble, but you're going to rise. Come on. You may stumble, but you are going to rise again. William Bradford, he was a great pastor to the Puritans, uh, one of the first people groups that came to our nation hundreds of years ago. And William Bradford, the great pioneer pastor to the Puritans, would write these words. I think sometimes I have the blackest heart in all of Europe. This was the man that God was using to shepherd and pastor the people that would be foundational ancestors that would launch our nation into what we now have as one nation under God. And he, the leader, would say, sometimes I look at my heart and I wonder if I don't have the blackest heart in all of Europe. I don't care who you are, sometimes you stumble. Sometimes you just don't hit the mark. And as a result, what you do is you feel unworthy and you get discouraged and you, you almost want to throw in the towel. You want to give up and you're, you're like, you know, maybe it works for them, but it doesn't work for me. And, and maybe I just don't have it within me. Well, let me tell you something, sweetheart. You don't have it within you, but with Christ, you can have it in you. And he will pick you up and help you not to do it again. He will. The second reason that we wonder is that we wonder because we are without purpose. We talked about purpose several weeks ago, and I encourage you to go back and check out that message, five purposes that God has given you as a person. But we ask things like, why am I here, and what's the meaning of my life, and what am I supposed to do with my life? Legitimate questions. 
Proverbs 17 says a discerning person keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. We feel like we just don't have purpose. And when you don't have, when you feel like and live like you don't have purpose, guess what? Your life really doesn't ever hit any kind of a mark. You end up wondering your whole life. I was reading about a story of this guy this week named Christopher Knight. And Christopher Knight worked at, uh, in Boston and he repaired, um, he, he, he installed alarms in cars and in houses. He was 20 years old, have all his tools in his car and everything. And he just, he just came to this point of, you know, what's life really all about anyway? He's 20 years old. He cashed in his paycheck, didn't even turn in his, his tools and started driving south. Drove all the way down south of Florida, staying in cheap hotels. Got down there, turned around, started driving all the way back north on, along the east coast. Went up through Boston, back through his home, went back through um, New Hampshire and up into the middle part of Maine where there's just very few roads and very few towns. And, and, and he got there in the middle of town, nothing but woods around. And, and he, he got this lonely road and he drove down this lonely, isolated road until it turned into another little logging type road and, turned, and then it went as far as he could until it turned into a trail. And then he went as far as he could on that trail. His gas was almost gone and he couldn't go any further. There's too many woods. He just stopped his car turned it off, threw his keys onto the console, got out with just the clothes on his back and started walking deep into the woods. No sleeping bag, no tent, no food, no nothing, just start walking. It didn't take him very long to realize you don't live in the woods of Maine without some kind of shelter and some kind of food. And, but he was just wondering, just walking and wondering. He went for 27 years in the woods of Maine, Christopher Knight. He finally realized that he couldn't make it long without some kind of stuff to exist on, so he started, he would find cabins randomly up in the woods, and he would st um, stalk them out, and then he would, he would rob them when they were empty, and that's how he got his mattresses and food and canopies and things like that. And he did this for 27 years. He just robbed cabins all over the middle of Maine, and finally they captured him. And they brought him into jail. They have 500 journalists outside wanting to talk to this guy because who lives in the, in the wilderness for 27 years without some kind of a story? He's like the, maybe the modern Waldo Emerson. He's got something to say. He's learned something. Surely all, all these 27 years, surely of wondering, he's learned something that we could capture on print and show the world. And so finally, he consented to talk to one journalist. And this journalist came in, pen and paper, prepared to just, you know, write down all the wisdom, no doubt, this guy had learned from being in the woods for <clears throat> 27 years. And so he's talking, and the gentleman's not talking much. And finally, the journalist said, well, surely after 27 years, you've learned some amazing things. Maybe you didn't, like, 
sustain yourself maybe the proper way, but I'm sure you've had lots of time for introspection. You never talked to one person in 27 years, never had a phone call, never had a computer, never had a call, no phone, no, 27 years. So tell us, sir, Mr. Knight, what have, what have you learned after 27 years? Mr. Knight looked at him, beard, little glasses. I've learned you need to get enough sleep. Set his jaw, and the journalist could tell he wasn't going to talk anymore, and that was it. After 27 years of wandering in the wilderness, the best you got is make sure you get enough sleep. How many know that when you wander through life, it brings you nowhere? But when you understand that God's hand is upon your life and you were fearfully and wonderfully made and you didn't come out of the womb with some accident on your shoulder, you came out with a purpose lined in front of you. And if you will follow the plan that God has for you and the purpose that he's laid out before you, when it comes to the end, you'll have something more to say than get enough sleep. You'll actually be able to look back into the next generation and say, follow me, as Paul said, as I follow after the Lord. You'll be able to offer to them something that gives them hope and gives them a future and gives them faith and gives them something that they can dream about. Uh, you give them something that's out there that you've seen, but you haven't quite apprehended like Abraham. You just, you know it's there and you can pass it on to them and say, this is what God has in store for you. Besides just saying, you just need to get some more sleep. If you're going to wonder, you better wonder with purpose. And number three, why do we wonder? We wonder because we believe Satan's lies. What are the lies of Satan? The first lie that he tells you is that God's not with you. God's not with you. He may be with her or him, but he's definitely not with you. And he comes along, he follows that up with accusations and temptations and he taunts you and he speaks into your brain and reminds you that you are not a person that God is with. You are somehow, some way, you have made and managed to be that one person out of seven billion in the earth that, that God doesn't want to be with. For some reason, everything at Calvary applied to everyone else but not you. For some reason, you, you kind of made it out of the plan of God. Can I just tell you this this morning? Satan can damn you. Satan can, excuse me, he cannot damn you. He cannot touch you. He cannot lay a finger upon you unless you yourself allow him to do so. God is with you. He's placed his hand around you. He's placed you under an umbrella of his protection. And even though Satan wants to come and touch your soul with damnation, it cannot happen outside of the fact that you let him do it. No sin can condemn you because every sin is under the blood. My conscience cannot condemn me because Christ is greater than my conscience. I'm forgiven completely and nothing in this world can condemn me. Nothing can condemn me. In fact, 
Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Yeah, but God, you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. I am with you always. If you'll turn your heart back to me, I am with you. If you just turn around, you'll see I'm with you. I haven't gone anywhere. I'm still here. Even the psalmist would say, I could go to the depths of the ocean, and God, you're there. I could climb to the highest mountain, and God, you're still there. I could go to the vast sea, and you're still there. You can't find a place in this world where God isn't there. God is with you. The second lie that he tells us not only is that God's not with you, but he tells you that God won't hear. That God will not hear you. He's not going to listen to you. In Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 23 and 24, this is a unique little scripture. What I found fascinating about the Old Testament is that the Old Testament is full of stories, and you look at them and you go, you know, some of this doesn't even make sense. You know, you just kind of read through and you go like, okay, I don't really understand how that pertains to my life. You know, I, I don't know how, you know, the color of the tent covering the tabernacle really makes sense to my life today. But if you understand this, if, that everything in the Old Testament is a picture of you and your relationship to Christ, and, and you look for Christ in everything in the Old Testament, you will find that it comes alive. It's like a, a secret code book. And the code is Jesus. Uh, we went, uh, my family, we went into, uh, and I told you a few months ago, we went into one of those, um, was it, this, you know, one of those rooms where you have to break out, you know, with the secrets? Escape room, yeah, we went to an escape room. We paid money for them to lock us in a room for us to try to figure out how to get out of the room. I don't know who's the craziest, them or me? Yeah, here's some good money. Lock us in a room. We'll try to figure this thing out. How do you get out? They said, well, there's clues. And one clue leads to another clue and another clue to another clue. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Well, I'll just leave it at this. We, we did not make it out. We, we were, it, it went in and it said, it had a little poster, 90% of the people that choose this room get out. Guess what? We're that one out of 10 that didn't make it out. But the Bible's like this incredible clue, clue room. And one clue leads to another clue. And so if you look for Jesus in all of it, you'll find this incredible truths and lessons on how to live life and principles that you live by and, and, and how to find Jesus in that moment of crisis perhaps that you're in. I, it's amazing. So here's a little passage just to prove to you what I'm talking about. If a man happens to meet a, in town a virgin pledged to be married and he sleeps with her, he shall take both of them to the gate of that town and stone them to death. You're like, oh. The young woman stoned because she was in a town and did not scream for help. In other words, this enemy comes upon this virgin. The virgin is a description of the church. It's a beautiful bride. It's, a, it's, a, it's what Jesus is coming back for. So the bride of Christ is walking throughout the city. The bride of Christ, you represent the bride of Christ. We're walking through the city and suddenly we're overpowered by something that we can't seem to ward off. 
And the Lord says to us in the Old Testament, speaking to us now in the New Testament as the bride of Christ, that if you'll just scream, you'll be innocent. If you'll just scream, I'll make a way where there's no way. If you'll just scream for help, then help will come your way. But you will be condemned if you don't scream. I don't teach this to my kids when they were growing up. I don't want them to learn about the screaming part in the natural. But I definitely want them to learn in the spiritual. Listen, when you are overpowered and you feel like you can't make it out of this temptation, all you got to do is scream, cry out unto the Lord. The book of Psalms is full of some people that are just crying out to God, saying, God, help me. You know my heart. I hate this sin. This isn't something I wanted. I cry out to you, and I will keep crying, and I will cry, and I will cry. And if you will cry out unto the Lord, I will guarantee you, he will hear your cry and come to your aid and nothing will overwhelm you that comes from the enemy. Come on, give God some praise. He hears your every cry. He hears your very cry. Oh my goodness. And the third thing, the last thing the enemy tells us is that God won't forgive you. I know you've heard that one before. Oh, this is it. You did it now. You might as well run from God. You stepped over the line. There is no hope for you now. This is that one thing that for some reason the blood of Jesus never isn't able to touch. Can I just remind you that there's a thing called grace and mercy and it's very real. In fact, when Jesus died on the cross for us, he did it as a means of showing us grace and mercy. Mercy is something that I couldn't get on my own and grace something I don't even deserve, a favor I don't even deserve. If you will confess with your sins, if you will confess of your sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive you of your sins and purify you of all unrighteousness. Praise the Lord, my soul, forget not his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. The enemy comes to us and catches us in that wandering mode that we've been in. And he goes, he don't hear you. And he certainly won't forgive you. And we hunker down and we bend over and we hang our head in shame and guilt and we walk through life aimlessly and hopelessly thinking that for some reason we've committed the unpardonable sin and that God no longer has use of us. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I'm here to remind you this morning, the Lord sent me my, your way to tell you that he hears you, he knows where you're at, uh, cry unto him, and he will forgive you of everything you've done wrong. Everything you've done wrong. I want you to bow your heads this morning. I believe somebody here needs to hear that. Prayer teams, I want you to come stand with me up front, please. 
But I believe there's some people here this morning, you need to hear that God forgives and that God heals and restores. That God forgives you. Some of you here this morning would say, I, I don't think God would ever want me. Yes, he wants you. He gave his best, his son for you. That's how bad he wants you. If you're here this morning, I, I want to challenge you. I want to admonish you. I want to do everything in my power to say, would you please, I beg you, give your heart to Jesus, to the Lord, to the Father. Would you ask Jesus to come into your heart? Would you ask him to forgive you of your sins? Would you allow God, the Father, an opportunity to wash away all that you've done? Today is the day that your life can turn totally around. Today is the day, the appointed moment of salvation for you. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, you would say, Pastor JP, I want to know Jesus. Maybe you've walked away. Maybe you've never made that decision. But today's the day. Now's the now, now moment. Right where you're at, I'm gonna pray with you just right where you're sitting. But I wanna see that hand. Pastor, would you pray with me? I wanna know Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. All across the room, raise your hand. I wanna know Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. I want to know Jesus as my Lord and my Savior today. I want him to be my God, to be my Lord, my Savior. Right where you're at, just raise your hand. Yeah, amen. I see that hand. Others, I want Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Come on, I'm gonna make him my God. I'm turning this thing around, amen. Anybody else? I want, to, I want to know the Lord. I want to pray with you right where you're sitting. And after this prayer, I want to make sure you fill out that connect card in front of you, and I want you to fill it out and tell us you accepted Christ. I want you to take that card and out front and in the lobby, and you give it to that wonderful person that's going to be standing there by that little banner, and they're going to give you a Bible, and they're going to give you some material to help you in your walk with the Lord. But let's just pray this prayer. In fact, if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat after me the prayer. And I, I'm gonna ask everyone else to join with me in this prayer. Can we just pray like this? Would you say this, Lord Jesus? Come on out loud, Lord Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I know you hear me. And I know you forgive me. And so right now, Lord, I give you everything I have. Use me for the rest of my life so I may not wonder. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can we give Jesus a hand of praise for that? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And we're going to do something now in just a minute. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to, to stand, but, but more importantly, as the band will worship with us, I believe that there's some people here this morning that you've been a little discouraged. Discouragement's just kind of settled in. And I believe this morning the Lord wants to encourage you. He wants to bring courage back into your life. 
And I believe he wants to use a prayer to do that. These people here have been waiting this morning for you to get here. They're prayed up, fired up, worded up. And they want to be able to have an opportunity just to speak encouragement into your life. Life can be tough. Life can have its situations and its difficulties. But we need to lean into the Lord. And in this moment, just say, God, here am I. Here am I, Lord. Encourage me. I just, I just come. Maybe I'm coming empty. Maybe I come in need. Maybe I come broken down. Maybe I feel, Lord, that I've just disappointed you. And if the Bible says, if two or more are gathered together in my name, I will hear that prayer. I'll agree with I'll, I'll touch that prayer. I'll meet that need. And so this morning, you didn't just come here to hear a message. You didn't come here just to sing. You came here to be encouraged. And sometimes that needs a little prayer. And so this morning, as the band begins to worship and we worship with us, with them, I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to move forward and say, man, come pray with me. Would you pray with me? I need encouragement. Come on, stand to your feet and come on, let's love on the Lord this morning and sing one more song unto him as we just pray for encouragement. In Jesus' name, Lord, touch me, heal me in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Father God. I bless you, Lord. Come on.